With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. All right, as promised, we are joined by Luke Swain of the Action Network. You know him as Vegas Refund on Twitter, always giving out draft plays, NBA, uh, NFL, and I came across even some NHL ones on there. Uh, Luke, how we doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, So we are going to dig into the NBA draft here, and let's just start off the top. Obviously, every, every draft is different. Last year, we had an enormous mystery with the first pick. The odds switched back and forth. We had Banchero, long shots coming through all over the place. This year is the complete opposite. We have a minus 20,000 to go number one. We know what is going to happen, and the draft starts at number two. Um, but we've had movement there. Brandon Miller was a guy that was plus, two, uh, plus 300 to, to go number two uh, in March, April, and that has shifted He's kind of come on strong. Scoot Henderson was considered the number two prospect all year. And then the thing that eventually shifted Brandon Miller from plus money to laying some juice is just the way that the lottery uh, ping pong balls fell. LaMelo Ball is in Charlotte. The thought is that Brandon Miller will be the better fit on the wing. And Scoot Henderson slides to three. What is your, your confidence, I guess, that we see it go Miller-Scoot at two, three, uh, versus the opposite. So it, it, I, Miller was nine to one and Scoot was nine to one to like Miller was nine to one to go two. Scoot was nine to one to go three. I want to say a month ago where this definitely is, I don't want to say Miller should be as heavy a favorite as he is now. And if you ask me like a percentage of uh, where I thought it was in terms of Miller's percent to go two on Monday, I probably would have said, 70% 70% and then scoot, of course, like 30, where I will say within the last 24 hours, I've definitely started to get some uncertainty where there could be a potential flip, just like we saw in the, this past NFL draft or even the NBA where Bryce was the consensus number one and then Stroud was, and people were laying minus mm-hmm. 200 on Stroud because they thought it was a done deal. And next thing you know, it flips on its head and Bryce goes one and the odds just flip within minutes um, where – I don't think Miller should be a, anything higher than a like. I don't think he should be a minus two hundred to go number two at this point. There is some reports coming out that even the trades where, like the trades don't really affect this as much because everyone kind of assumes that it's for the number three pick. But you can see like no teams are trading up because they want Miller. Um, so you can kind of gauge the interest right. in terms of like momentum on Scoot right now, and I'm definitely way less than 70% at this point. Like I would maybe put at like 55, 60 Miller to go to. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked where if there is any value. Um, I would like, 
it's tough because like Scoot's plus 150. So it's nothing like sexy enough to make it like fun to take him. But if you do want to take Scoot to go to, I would say the time is now um, if it ever um, does flip on its head. All right. So that was kind of the question I was going to ask you. So, uh, you know, I have Brandon Miller at three to one to be the second pick. I gave it out as a play on lottery night at plus 125. I'm comfortable with that. What's the number for you today um, if I'm saying, you know, I want to bet Brandon Miller to go to? It's minus 250 on DK Sportsbook. I know you're not betting that. But as things stand, and again, we're recording this on Thursday, June 15th, what's the number for you on Miller to go uh, Miller to go two or Scoot to go three where you're actually betting it? Um, honestly, like I have some great tickets on Scoot and Miller in like the nine to one range. So I'm kind of just... Hoping for the best. Well, all right. Yeah. Stuff. Saying, let's say you have no tickets in pocket. You're you're listening to this podcast and you want a number. I guess put it that way. Okay. Uh, I would honestly, I wouldn't be betting either of them. Um, I guess I would be betting Scoot okay. at whatever the odds are to go to. Um, and if you really want to like have some fun, I think the value like lies within like Scoot going two and potentially Miller sliding, where guys like Whitmore going right. three, or maybe some sort of an exacta top four, um, where. It involves Scoot going two and then some chaos at three. Um, I think would be like the fun bets that still exist. Or Vicini had a podcast yesterday um, that he had Scoot going two. And then he went on to say about like Portland having a tough decision on their hands if Scoot goes two between Miller and Whitmore. Vicini's definitely a, a Whitmore truther for what it's worth. But like, there are scenarios like Scoot's not going to fall past three, but Miller could. Um, if he doesn't go to Whitmore's a guy that I have some tickets on to from back a ways. His under was at six and a half. Uh, I got him at some plus 200 to go top five. I have him to go number four. The exact that you're talking about, if you want to look for a, a long shot in this draft and Brandon Miller to be the guy to slide, uh, Wembenyama, Scoot, Whitmore, top three is 50 to one on DK Sportsbook if you're looking for your top three exacta. So there's there you your. Go. There's your scratch ticket to get us going here on the podcast. Um, all right, so if we're going outside of the top three here, um, before we get to draft position stuff, which I know is the market that you've been, been tweeting out the most, uh, are there any exact picks, since we're kind of talking that, to be number two, to be number three, but we can go all the way down the board to, I think, 10 um, right now. Are there any exact draft positions outside of the top three that you like? Um, so I think I would say there's two. Um, where one, like Osser, or however, I think it's Osser, um, yep. one of the twins. If there, there's like a consensus top nine guys, where of those nine, I would probably say Osser has the most volatility in terms of him being able to fall. Where exact pick for him, whether it's like eight, nine, or ten, like, I think nine is, like, the most fun, like, best bet based off of value at this point um, for Austin. And then Black to go six, which I think is, like, six to one currently would be the other in terms of exact pick scenarios. Uh, yep. Anthony Black or uh, to go number six is plus 500 right now on DK Sportsbook as we record. And what did you say? Osar to go nine? Yep, to go nine, ten, or eight. Yeah. Nine, I think, is like 10 look to at, 1. 10 to 1 on 9. 8, you're looking at 5 to 1. 
And 10th overall, you are looking at... Oh, man, I can't even find him. Oh, like 40 to 1. To one. 40 to 1 to go 10th. There you go. On a star. There's your long shot. Um, okay. So draft position market, which again, we're recording Thursday, June 15th. We are being nice at DraftKings Sportsbook. For some reason, we're the only place that wants to be putting these, uh, putting these guys out, which, uh, you know, that means the market's going to move quick, especially when somebody like Luke is putting these out. But I'm just quickly, I'm going to rip through everything that you've tweeted out. It looks like your first play on Twitter was June 5th, so 10 days ago. I'm going to rip through everything you've put out. They've moved significantly. Um, you can tell me if there is any, any meat left on the bone on, on any of these guys. Uh, Grady Dick over nine and a half at minus 150. I know he's now heavily juiced at 10 and a half. Cam Whitmore, I think both of these, you missed the, missed the ball on. Cam Whitmore under five and a half, even money. He's now uh, a heavy favorite to go in the top five. Kaysan Wallace under 13 and a half. Keontae George over 12 and a half. Um... Bilal Koulibaly, I believe. Yep. I don't know. Under 12 and a half. Uh, and then Taylor Hendricks. This one I am on with you. Under nine and a half. Uh, currently sitting at eight and a half. And then, let's see. You got a couple more here. Jordan Hawkins over 14 and a half at minus 135. And the last one as of a day ago. Kobe Bufkin, under 16 and a half. All of them have moved, but is there anything left there that you still think is actionable? Um, I would say Hawkins' odds came down a little bit this morning, which Hawkins over 14 and a half based off of the juice currently, and I think it's like minus 145 range. Um, I think that's still playable over. Um, and then there's a couple that, like, there were key numbers involved in when I played them, and, like, Bilal at, I think he's at 11 and a half now. Like his over at plus money um, does interest me somewhat. Um, where the two guys out of all the plays that I probably have the least confidence in, um, of course I'm still confident, would be the Bilal under and then the Hendricks under, where both of those overs with them coming down a notch, I would say, like I wouldn't put them out, but that there's some meat on the bone in terms of value um, currently. Would love DraftKings. So uh, we, I, I love you guys for putting these out, but we got we got to get another wave of picks. <laughs> I'm working on the next wave. Uh, the word is in, but nobody around here listens to me. That's the problem. Um, all right. So the Bilal one, it sounds like you're kind of targeting OKC somewhat. He seems like an OKC type of prospect. Uh, is that the thought process there? Yeah, and there's rumors of him having a promise from OKC at 12. And, I mean, his stock has just been soaring, um, which right. whether promises are real or not, it's who knows. But, like, 12 and a half is definitely the key number where Bilal does feel like, like an over and maybe like an exact pick for him to go nine uh, or 11 um, would be like a way to target that. Um, because there's only so many outs when you get this low. Right. Um, okay. Looking and the, and at... The, uh, and the one thing... Looking actually, at the rest... Go one ahead. One other go ahead. thing, uh, where you can actually parlay these draft position over-unders with cross-sports, yep. 
which I, I think that's one of the things you can still me. leverage, which like the Oscar over, which is still at five and a half. I don't know what the juice is. Um, the Oscar over uh, would probably be, like, I mean, bearing anything crazy, like that's somewhat of a free leg um, at five and a half. So that one today went from minus 220 to minus 300. Um, I agree with you. If, you. if we, let's say we take away juice and just give the draft position numbers and you say, what is the worst number on the board? It's, it's that, it's Osar Thompson at five and a half. Um, so yeah, I think the over there, like, you know, Eamon Thompson rumored at four. I don't like him there personally. And then at number five, it just seems like there's better, uh, better prospects. So I don't see, I'm with you, I don't see how he cracks the top five. And uh, yeah, it's a phenomenal highlight. Like, like, even at minus 300, like, yeah, just but, pair it with something, whether it's NHL draft or really anything else. Um, <laughs> it's a great probably like. Well, that's the problem. Basketball and hockey are over, so we need to find sports that are going on to parlay it. So, yeah, NHL draft, if you got a baseball game that you like a heavy favorite in the next week, um, if you really want to tie your money up and you like whatever, NFL week one, Chiefs are going to stomp the Lions on opening night. Put it there, but uh, you got to figure out a leg. But I agree, that is a, a great parlay leg, and that was something I was going to bring up. Um, I assume your answer here is going to be no, because we're waiting for the next wave of uh, players to be put out or next market to be put out. Um, but is there anything of the over-under draft positions on the board that caught your eye that you were, that you were close on but you haven't quite gotten there? Uh, currently, no. I would say matchups are where I'm focusing at the moment until the next wave comes out. Okay. So matchups is out of what's on the board where I was going to wrap with you. I know there's one that you have been on um, that I have talked up a little myself. And again, it's, it's an Osar Thompson fade. Um, and that's Jairus Walker. The problem is the market has moved a lot. He was, you know, whatever it was, plus 180. I know it sat at plus 150 for a while for Jairus Walker from Houston to go before Osar Thompson. Now it's a pick him. It's minus 115 both sides. Um, I, still, I still would think, and I'm not even that high on Walker. I think he could slide a little bit. I, I still think Walker is the guy even at a pick him, but that's probably as far as you want to go with it. Your thoughts on it? Yeah, I would agree. It's like... Uh- Walker's like range is really like seven is as far as he's probably going to fall where like Walker, where he goes has a lot to do with where Whitmore goes and Whitmore's stock is soaring. And if Whitmore goes four, Walker's going to go five most likely. And if Whitmore goes five, Walker's probably going to go seven and Oscar could go anywhere from six outside of the top 10, um, which at plus money was a great bet at minus 15, both sides. I think it's still very playable. Um, but like you have a, a safety net of the top seven picks with Walker and Osara, you just have no idea. Like he could fall out of the top 10. Um, there's just so much more volatility with him, which has a lot to do with Whitmore. Um, but there's just, there's just guys to go. I have a lot more confidence to other guys. Like if Amin doesn't go four, he's probably going to go six. If Amin goes four, Whitmore goes five, a guy like Black could go six. Um, over mm-hmm. Osser, which then you have Walker at seven, and then the bet wins. All right. Um, before I let you go, Luke, 
you mentioned we're waiting for we're waiting for markets. Um, what what are those markets? I guess that you're most excited over the next week to see because we will see them. They'll trickle out. It's getting later and later with just the way that people bet drafts now. Um, but uh, this is your. I mean, you're on a DraftKings podcast now, so here's your pitch. What's the what's a market that you want to see? What's a bet that you want to see? I would say. There's still a few guys left in the top 20 for over-unders, and then to be drafted in the first round. Like those would be the two. Um, to be drafted mm-hmm. in the first round would be great. All right. Uh, last one for you. Uh, I don't want to pin you down here and make you put – I'm not going to make you put a best bet on the record or anything while we're on the podcast, but I give you a $100 free play. What's one thing on DraftKings Sportsbook right now that you would say is the best bet to use that on uh, that's available? $100 free play. I would probably say... To make it 1000 it's not real. I'm not actually going to give it to you, <laughs> but you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> uh, I would have said Walker, but I'll, I'll do a new one. Probably, I mean, I think GG Jackson at plus 140 to go over... Uh, what's his name? Rupert? Rupert. I think that's a good yep. value bet. And then I probably would, I mean, honestly, like, I think Scoot is worth a bet at, to go number two at this point, too. Um, but All right. it's pretty, there isn't a lot of meat left on the bone um, currently. Where Until there is. <laughs> until there is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, man. Well, we will be anxiously awaiting more, more draft props. Maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, there's more draft props. But the one way to know when there is something actionable on the NBA draft, you just follow this man uh, at Vegas Refund on Twitter, and then you will uh, get them all. Luke, thanks for joining us here on Unreasonable Odds, man. Thank you. All right, we will be back on the other side of the podcast. We're going to talk to Jeff Goodman and uh, get some more NBA draft talk here and uh, see what Jeff has to say. All right, welcome back into Unreasonable Odds presented by DraftKings. And as promised, we got the man that talks everything and anything hoops, Jeff Goodman from Stadium. Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. We, you know, this has become an annual ritual for us, so I, uh, I look forward to it. And you know, the uncertainty of of all drafts, right? Trying to figure out uh, what is real and what's not when it comes to the rumor mill. It has become a tradition, and we've talked plenty of great stuff that has stuck. And like you said, this stuff can throw you some curveballs. Most notably, number one overall last year, which uh, was one of the great back and forths in draft history. Um, this year is the complete opposite. Uh, you can bet your life on the number one pick. It's going to be Victor Wembanyama. So rather than talk about that before we get to picks two and three, we do have odds on the board for this. So I'll ask you this. Wembanyama is minus 225 to win rookie of the year. So a pretty steep favorite. Normally you got guys like Cade Cunningham, Paolo Banchero, the last couple number one overall picks. You're getting like plus 250, plus 300. Uh, what do you think of what Wembenyama is going to actually look like as a rookie? Is Pop going to, you know, Pop invented load management. Is he going to be a full go? Or, you know, would you look at guys like, regardless of where they end up, a plus money Scoot Henderson, a big plus money Brandon Miller? I don't think so. I think I'd go Victor. I think the only thing that, that could um, be a roadblock to Victor winning rookie of the year is, is health. 
to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's different than Chet Holmgren. He, he just is. Agreed. His body's different. Even look at his chest. Um, look at his, his pregame regimen and his off-day regimen. Um, this is a kid who's honestly been prepared for this for a couple of years. Does he need to get stronger? Absolutely. Uh, but I think, again, you look at that Spurs roster too, you know, they have to have Victor doing everything on that team. There's nothing else there where you look at some of the other teams, you know, Scoot Henderson or whoever, you know, whoever might go to Portland. Well, they're, they're not going to put up the, the huge numbers because of Lillard. The Spurs don't have anybody. So I, I would say, you know, as much as I don't love that price, I, I don't know who else I like over Victor Wembanyama for the, for the rookie of the year. You know, maybe Brandon Miller. But again, Brandon Miller, if he goes number two, and I know we're going to talk about this in a minute, you know, he's playing with a bunch of dudes that can that can score. Like LaMelo Ball is going to put up numbers. There's yep. other guys in that team that are going to put up numbers. So you're not going to need Brandon Miller to put up more than 10, 12 points a game next year. So I, I think it's going to be Victor. I'm with you. And the first guy I'm writing off is the guy you said, Chet Holmgren, because Holmgren's on the board this year because he didn't play. Holmgren's 4-1 to one to win Rookie of the Year, and that's the first guy I'm, I'm passing on. Uh, no so chance. I totally agree. I totally agree with you there. Uh, all right, let's go to the 2-3 debacle. Um, I was just talking with, with uh, Vegas Refund from over at the Action Network on the top end of the, of the podcast who said, you know, I have some Brandon Miller at 3-1 to one from a while back to be the number two pick. I, I put him out as a play on Twitter at plus 125. I think it's going to be Brandon Miller at two to the Hornets. I think Scoot and Brandon Miller are similar prospects where – where where Miller is just such a better fit for Charlotte, and then you don't have to move on from Ball. Whereas if you go with Scoot, even if you think he's a little better, what is that backcourt eventually gonna gonna look like? So I think that's the consensus. What I will say is that mock drafts and and you know Luke, when I talked to him at the top half of the podcast, said that they're a little less confident than they maybe were a week ago. And again, we're recording this on Thursday, June 15th and saying like, you know what, maybe if the best player available on the board is Scoot Henderson, they just go that way because that's what you do in the NBA. This is in the NFL where positional need is, is everything. Um, so you've kind of tipped your hand. You, you think it's Miller, but what do you, what do you think the chances are that it is Miller at the moment? I think it's strong. I, I really do. Okay. Everything I've heard is, is that's the way they're, they're leaning heavily. Now, again, there's going to be misdirection, because the Hornets yep. want somebody else to, to to make him a trade, right? I mean, they, they're going to put out that it's Miller. They're going to put out it's Scoot. They're going to put out it's the Thompsons, one of them. I mean, they should. That's that's the way you should be doing your, your due diligence right now is throwing every uh, bad rumor out there to any media person that's going to fall for it and go with it. Um, but I just think Brandon Miller makes too much sense here. And in a day and age of versatility, multidimensional wings – Man, Brandon Miller. And the thing that we didn't think Brandon Miller was going to be able to do right away was shoot the ball from deep. And he shot the hell out of it last year. That's mm-hmm. the one thing is, is to me, he really um, made shots from deep. Um, and, and again, he's only going to get better. I remember seeing him. I saw him a couple of years ago playing with Nick Smith in AU and fell in love with him there partially because of, honestly, his ability to pass the ball. From like the force, he was playing a lot of four then, and they were running a lot of stuff through yeah. him, and I was really impressed with that. And then this past year again, to to watch what he could do, how how much more athletic he was than I than I really remembered, 
and again, how he shot it. I think he's got, I think he's got a lot of Jason Tatum in his game at the same stage, but he actually is a better shooter. Not, uh, you know, probably not as good with the ball in his hands. It, it kind of creating as Tatum was at the same stage, but, but kind of similar games. That's exactly where I was going to go because I was going to say I don't want to say Brandon Miller is going to be as good as this player, but I see some Jason Tatum going back to the Duke tape um, yep. at these same stages. I, I see a lot of Tatum in his game. Uh, so high ceiling on, on Brandon Miller, I agree. Let's talk Scoot Henderson because like ceiling-wise, the comp I've been giving him, I think it's a lot of like Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, yep. super athletic yep. point guard, not the greatest shooter. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong. Those, both of those guys won MVPs, so I'm not saying there's anything wrong there. It's just I, I would go with I would go with Miller, um, particularly if I'm Charlotte. But you can give me your your comp and your feel for Scoot Henderson, and then also if we're doing our mock draft here and we're saying it's Wembenyama Miller, any chance that Scoot doesn't go three? Because I think even if it's even if Portland doesn't move out. Scoot's so far ahead of whoever is four in this class, you have to take that player and figure it out, right? Yeah, and, and your comp is kind of what I got a couple of years ago from Jason Hart, who, who's coached him for two years in the G League, which is Derrick Rose. Um, you know, big, strong, athletic guard, got a gear to him, super explosive, doesn't shoot it very well. Uh, so I, I think that makes sense. And yeah, if you're, you know, if you're Portland, Listen, you got a bunch of good young guards. Do you need another? Maybe not, <laughs> but what, what Scoot could do is allow you to really trade Dame, right? You've got Anthony uh, Simons. you got Shaden Sharp, mm -hmm. who I still love. I love Shaden. I do too. Um, so I think you got those three guys you can build around, and you wait it out with, with, with Dame, right? You wait it out and get the right offer, and eventually you probably he's going to want to trade, and then you're, you're trading from a kind of a position of strength. You need – I mean, Portland needs bigs, but they're not going to reach on this one. And there's nobody else that makes sense over Scoot, um, whether Portland keeps it or even if they trade it. I, I just don't know. Again, I don't I don't think anybody else can really jump Scoot for the number three pick. Yeah, I mean, if it's a trade and Miller's gone, too, then it's, it's absolutely for Scoot. Um, just talking trades real quick. Any any feel for you on what type of uh, trade, if let's say Portland keeps Lillard, if they were going to move the third pick, any feel for who that may be? Like you got an Orlando that has six and eleven, they could move up. I just don't know exactly what the market for the for the third pick is going to be. Well, they're going to want obviously they're going to want a player now in the front court who can help them. You know that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing for Portland that I'm hearing. That you know again they've got their guards right. They, if you're training three. And you're keeping you're keeping Dame. You're probably gonna have to move off maybe three. You know, if you move off of one of the other guards, you got to get something in the front court now. If you're Portland, they, they've been missing that for years. Um, so I, I think that's going to be their biggest thing: is can they can they surround Dame enough now to be competitive, uh, not just to, to get in the playoffs, maybe win a, a you know one series, but but to go a little bit deeper. And you've got something here that. Honestly, a good young player that a lot of people are going to want in, in likely Scoot that they can command some serious value right now. So you got to look long and hard about it. 
All right, Jeff, uh, it seems like the top three relatively consensus, even if you know we can flip Miller and Scoot, maybe something crazy happens, but let's get outside of the top three where the mystery kind of starts. You got Houston at four um, and Detroit at five, a couple of teams that were very hopeful to get in this top three and, and didn't. What do you feel about Houston at four? Because we've got the Thompson twins getting all this hype. I've been saying on shows, this, these are some kids that could slide. Uh, yeah. particularly if we think Amon is the one that goes, goes first, then you're looking at Asar sliding even, even more, um, super athletic six, seven wings, but they're the part that I think people forget they're older. They're not 18, 19. They're a little older and the jump shot still is not there. I, that's my main red flag here. And that's my, if I have a draft hot take, I think it's just according to the odds and mock drafts that these two kids are going to go really high. And I think they may slip um before we go just your your thoughts i guess on number four your thoughts on the thompson twins yeah i mean listen they're, they're super athletic we know that um supposedly they're unbelievable kids high high character um but again the problem is right they don't shoot the ball that well and they work all the time like you mm-hmm. can't keep those kids out of the gym from what i'm told but yet their shot hasn't gotten that much better yet that's kind of scary, right? I mean, if, if you're always in the gym, you expect your shot to be a lot better from deep. I, You know, if I'm Houston, like Jalen Green's not a great shooter. We know that. Like, you can't have too many guys on the court right now that are young that can't really shoot it. Like, Ime Adoka can't perform miracles. He did a great job, obviously, in Boston flipping around that, that franchise. But I, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to be able to do if you don't surround him with more guys who can shoot the basketball. So uh, they'll be able to guard both the men and, and Asar, they can both guard and, and a men's, you know, one who's made the transition to the point. Um, but again, like they're just kind of non shooters right now. And, and that's scary. And a men's still learning how to play the point. What do you think about Cam Whitmore, Jeff? Because he is a guy, if, if put it this way, if Cam Whitmore goes for my bank account, will be happy. Uh, he opened up at a six and a half prop with under at plus money and you're getting plus 200 plus 250 on him to go top five. Since then, the money has poured in on him. He is now minus 350 to be a top five pick. So the odds are saying he's either, he's either the guy at four for Houston or if he slips to Detroit, who seems to, you know, Detroit has some bigs. They're they're taking scratch tickets on two number two overall picks in Wiseman (laughs) and Bagley that they have to like, figure out what they have, and then you got the backcourt with Ivy and Cunningham, so it seems like Whitmore slides right into the wing. Um, it, it seems like, and the odds tell us, that Whitmore is a sure thing to go either four, and if he does not, to go five. Your thoughts on him as a player and what you do think his ultimate landing spot is? Well, here's the one thing with Whitmore is, is he shot it better than people thought last year, and he was yeah. out for a significant amount of time in the preseason. Super athletic. You know, he could be that that stud wing down the road. Like, it wouldn't shock mm-hmm. me, you know, again, because he gave you a lot more offensively than, than, than I thought you would, especially, again, because he was out for, you know, when, it, when a freshman misses that much time in the preseason, usually, like, look at Nick Smith. He never caught up. He never caught yeah. up. Cam Whitmore caught up pretty quick. And then, um, again, I just think he's got the measurables. Uh, he plays hard. He's athletic. He shot it better. He could put it on the floor. I just see a ton of upside 
with, with Cam Whitmore. And, and to me, again, he showed me he can make shots where the Thompsons didn't. Now, again, a man, it's different. You're playing a different position than Cam Whitmore, but a SAR who will probably get into a little bit more of a wing, you know, more of a traditional wing. And I'd take Whitmore over him, um, you know, most days of the week at this point. So I think if if you're Houston, you got to look long and hard about him. And if you're Detroit, you're ecstatic to be able to get him because it's a, it's a major need. You know, yeah. like Detroit's got some good, like you said, they, they they took some chances with some bigs. They even took some chances, obviously, with Jaden Ivey. Cade's back. They've got a lot of talent there. And and I think, honestly, what Troy Weaver's doing more than anything is just kind of rolling the dice on all these guys and hoping he hits it on a couple of them. And Cam Whitmore's kind of another one, but I think he's safer. I think he's safer than all those guys not named Cade Cunningham. Yeah. If I'm So put it this way to you. If I'm making my big board for this draft – Cam Whitmore is number four for me. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I think He's so. Again, I think, you know, if you're Houston, I just don't know how you take another non-shooter. That would just scare me. Like, you, you just – you got to start adding guys who can really shoot. And not that Whitmore's a great shooter, but he, he showed he's a, he's a competent shooter, at least at this, at this level as a freshman. All right, so, you know – the mystery starts after the top three, but then even out of the out of the top five, I think this is a a little bit more unpredictable, maybe of of a draft than than normal, or maybe a, a bigger drop off than normal. Um, what are what are some of your takes once we get out once we get out of the top five, or even if you want to include Detroit at five uh, for maybe some guys that you think are. Um, that you like to land in, in certain spots or things like how I feel the Thompson twins are being a little overblown things in the top 10 that you feel are a little overblown. How do you think the rest of this shakes out? So you look at it in the top and, and other than Victor and Brandon Miller, you're looking at it and you're saying Scoot Henderson, weakness shooting, Amen Thompson, weakness shooting, Cam Whitmore, weakness shooting, Asar Thompson, weakness shooting, <laughs> Anthony Black, weakness shooting. You got a lot of those dudes. So to me, yep. I just feel like you're going to have a guy move up. One of these two or three guys that can really shoot it. And you're talking about a couple of them right here. One is Grady Dick for me. He's 6'8". He shoots the shit out of it. He shot 40% from three. I know I've had arguments with people. They say Jordan Hawkins is a better shooter. And that's fine. Like Jordan Hawkins moves off screens incredible. He is an elite shooter. But Grady Dick yep. shot 40 from three as a freshman. That's that's almost unheard of. Doesn't happen yep. very often. And he's 6'8", and he's a better athlete than people give him credit for, and he got better defensively. He was a liability, major liability early, and it turned into something where he was not a liability. He was probably above average late in the year. So I love him. I think, like, the lowest – like, the lowest he's going to be, like, is a Kyle Korver type. That's the lowest – and I mm -hmm. think he's got way more upside. Way more athleticism a than a Kyle yes. Korver, for sure. Way more upside. But he could be a, an elite shooter like Korver with more, with the ability to put it on the bounce a little bit. Taylor Hendricks is another one. Mm -hmm. So he scares me a little bit, but he intrigues me too. You know, he's 6'9", went to UCF, was like a top 75 recruit. And uh, he's kind of a he's kind of a unicorn in a sense because his two biggest strengths at 6'9", he can shoot the ball really well from deep, and he blocks shots. Like, it's just kind of a, a random 
kind of combo there. You don't see that a that very, often. A very good combo to fit in today's yeah. NBA, of course. Correct. Correct. Doesn't put in the floor great. Probably will never be a star. But again, you're talking about, and he's, he's okay defensively. Like he's not, people will try to say he's a three and D guy. Like he's not, he's not that. Like he can shoot it, he blocks shots, but he's not like a guy that you could put out there to stay in front of dudes and he's going to be able to do that yet. Could be that in time. So like those are two guys that are super intriguing only because all those guys around him, not named Victor and, and Brandon Miller, aren't really shooters. So can one of those move up? Like, you know, people have Anthony Black in the top eight or nine. Well, he's a he, he's a point guard with great length. But again, kind of a non-shooter right now. So I see one of Grady Dick or Taylor Hendricks cracking that group. And, and maybe Jarris Walker is a decent shooter too. He's like a Jeff Green type. Jarris Walker coming out, freshman uh, from Houston, you know, uh, 6'8", you know, just does everything well, nothing great. Uh, but will be a good player. I don't know if I take him as high as I've seen him in some mock drafts at like five or six. I don't. I wouldn't. Five or six is a little high for me on Walker as well. I, I took his prop over six and a half, uh, which is juiced. Yeah. You're you're paying a yeah. price on it, but I think outside of the top six for him. Um, let me just because we're we're putting a gambling spin on it. So the two guys you mentioned. Let me give you your props and you tell me how you feel. Um, Hendricks was nine and a half. He's now down to eight and a half. Do you think he cracks the top eight? What's Grady Dick? So Grady Dick, unique, because he's he's ten and a half, but you got to lay $2. He's minus 200 to go out of the top 10, but you're getting plus 165, I think it is, to be a top 10 pick. I'd go pl- I'd take, I'd take the money there. I'd take, yeah, I'd take it okay. in, the pl- in the top 10. I could see somebody again. I could just see somebody. I mean, even like a, I don't know, Dallas. I really wish just. I really wish that it was eleven and a half because then you get Orlando at eleven, and Orlando needs the shooting. They need shooting. That would make it a. That would make it a big play for me on the under. At ten and a half, I'm probably with you, given what the where the where the price tag is. Well, like the Wizards at eight worry me because they're gonna they're gonna probably go for a high upside like an athlete. If you're Michael Winger, right. their new you know their new boss, they gotta they gotta hit it right. Like if you're the Wizards, you gotta roll the dice a little bit. Grady Dick's probably never gonna be a superstar. Same thing with Taylor Hendricks. So you're probably gonna go a, a you know one of the Thompsons, somebody like that. That's just a great athlete that mm-hmm. maybe uh, works hard enough that they become a shooter. Um, all right. So let me give you, because since we're talking about Walker, let me give you a prop that we were talking about on the top half of the show. You can, there's some matchups available on DK Sportsbook, which is cool. Just who will be drafted first. This one was good plus money on Walker. Now it's just a pick em. Walker and Asar Thompson. I know I, we just said maybe that uh, Walker is going to go over his prop of six and a half. I still think Walker goes before Asar. Uh, your thoughts there on on that prop? I do too, only because again he can shoot it. So, like I, I yeah. think Jarris Walker, some people see his upside higher than I do. Um, I just think he's going to be a nice piece, uh, but I think teams are going to value the, the the ability to make shots, uh, to defend. You know, you know, but I don't. I mean, again, if you're, you know, if you're Indiana. Like you're, you're still kind of a small marketist team in Indiana. 
at seven. Like, are you taking Jairus Walker, who's just a solid pick, or are you going to roll the dice with, like, Anthony Black or Asar Thompson and say, like, hey, if they ever learn how to shoot, we got a dude here. We could have a superstar. I've, know, seen a, probably, I've seen a lot of Hendricks at seven to the Pacers in some mocks. Again, I mean, he's, he's athletic I feel, enough. I feel like that's positional fit, right? Because you have Halliburton, right. you have Heald, yeah. you just used yeah. a high pick on, on Matherin, and you have Turner there, and it's like, oh, well, we slot him right in at the four, right? Yeah, which makes a ton of sense. But again... A lot of teams aren't going for positional fit, especially these days in, in the NBA. Right. Like you can have, you can have more than one guy with the ball in their hands. You know. Um, okay. Yep. Before we came on, you and I chatted quick. Who are some guys maybe getting slept on? These are guys that don't have props on the board yet. But again, we're recording this on Thursday, June fifteenth. We're a week out from the draft. There will be more made available as we go on on DraftKings Sportsbook. Let me start with the one guy you mentioned to me. And we're going, you and I are going similar formula here. They are highly ranked high school kids that came out and underachieved as freshmen. And in the case of Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas, he underachieved due to injury and then was thrown back into a really good team and, uh, in your words, never caught up. Um, and now he's outside of the lottery in a lot of mock drafts. Uh, I'm seeing him 16, 17. So like, let's say, let's say like a 16 and a half prop were to open up on Nick Smith. I'm assuming you love the under there. And what are, what are some lottery teams you think might be interested? I do. I just, again, you know, I'm not the only one who saw him when he was healthy. You know, these NBA guys saw him too. And last year, you know, he was hurt multiple times. And I think the other thing that a lot of NBA guys are going to respect from him is he could have shut it down. He left Arkansas with a knee injury, went out to California, uh, worked out out there to rehab, and everybody thought he was done, including Arkansas. Their staff didn't expect him back. And he came back for the end of the year. It wasn't pretty, but he came back at least. He didn't just bail uh, on, on his teammates and on the season. I think that matters, not, not more than the ability and whether he's going to help him, but I think that helps him at the end of the day rather than hurts him. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think he he still can crack the top ten because, frankly, he's a guy that's got pretty good positional size, and he can just score. He can just get you buckets. Like he reminds me a little bit of like a Malik Monk type. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't shoot it as well from deep, but like you know, kind of high vo- higher volume, lower efficiency guys. But Nick Smith can get to the basket and finish. He can make mid-range shots. He can make shots from deep. It's not always the best percentage, but he can get going. Um, so I, I think Nick Smith's a guy that, to me, if he comes in at like 16, 17, man, I, I just can't imagine him getting that far. All right. And if I'm not mistaken, the number one overall recruit coming into this year at Duke was uh, was Lively. Derek Lively, the big man, uh didn't have the best, just never really fit in, it seemed like, uh, last year at Duke. You had a guy like Filipowski who kind of commanded the ball as a big and was maybe just the better fit as a college basketball player with that program, however you want to however you want to say it, and Lively got slept on. But now we're in the NBA process. He can He's tall. He has athleticism. He moves down the floor. He can shoot it, but he does what a big man's supposed to do. I think like 10 at Dallas – 12 to OKC, who could has a million picks. They can always use a home run. Like, those spots would make sense to me. 
but how stunned would you be if, like, you just mentioned teams at 7 and 8 in Indy and Washington that want home runs. When you're talking about a number one overall recruit, like, could you see him going that high? Your, your thoughts on, on Lively in this draft, Jeff? Listen, I mean, Lively to me, there just aren't many like him, right? He, he runs like a guard. He's long. He's athletic. He can put on weight. You know, like you look at his shoulders and he's going to be able to put on weight. Yeah, I just remember, and I'm, I wasn't the only one there, the Duke-Carolina game um, in, in Cameron. He dominated that game without scoring. I don't know how many points he had, six points, but he had like nine blocks. Mm-hmm. He altered another like 10 shots. Um, I, I just – and I saw him, again, two summers ago, stand out there and make enough threes. Like he's not going to shoot 40% from three, but like I think he can go out and, and make 33%, one, one out of three from three right now. And and if you're a pick and pop, I mean, again, you just look at it right now. Like if he can do some of that, there just aren't many guys that can that can do what he can do. He's a lob threat. Again, as he gets stronger, he'll be a dominant, he could be a dominant player on the on the defensive end and, and he can make some shots. So I, I think again, lively, you're buying you're buying low here. Um you, you gotta look at him especially if you're a team of need of some length up front and some athleticism up front. All right. So Nick Smith, Derek Lively, not available yet in the prop market. Those are a couple of guys that we're saying maybe to take a look at. Um, I'll let you go on, on this one, Jeff. Uh, we're assuming we'll get like a first round market at some point. Uh, who's a player that you think maybe the perception is that he won't go in the first round that maybe uh, jumps up into it? And who's a player maybe that you think slides, maybe even if you don't think out of the first round, who's a guy that you think slides that isn't, you know, a top 10 pick, but slides down this draft board? So one guy I think can get in the first round is Julian Phillips. You know, uh, freshman at Tennessee, didn't play a ton, but man, does he look the part. You know, he is your long, versatile wing like it's what everybody wants and you're gonna if you're drafting him in the like late 20s you're, you're drafting him to, to basically stash him he's going to g league or he'll learn you know to me if you could somehow get him early in the second round that would be unbelievable but i, I think he's one of those upside guys that's not ready but rick barnes just didn't utilize him the way i would have in terms of letting him make play through his mistakes uh, you know shoot he just he can shoot, but he just didn't. So that'd be one that I think to me has a chance to um, has a chance to to go in the first round that not a lot of it's people a big do. it's a big draft for Julian's because I thought you were going to say yeah. Julian Strother who can shoot it from Gonzaga and like we said it's a weak shooting draft. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Um, Strother is kind of intriguing, but. You know, he's just never really put it all together. But he'll, he could be a piece yep. at the next level. That's what Julian Strother would be. I'm trying to think of a guy that people have going in, in, in that first round. Even you know, if you – I don't like want to – Chris Murray. Okay. Yeah, I like I like that one. He's not like, his brother. No, I, well, I just don't know if Chris – like I think Chris is going to be, be – people are going to move him up because of his brother, but he's not Keegan. He's just not. Right. He's not the shooter Keegan is. He's not the player Keegan is. Good player. But he's not that. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he goes in the first round um, or, or not at the end of the day. But that's somebody I'm trying to think of who else. 
I don't even want to box both. you into it being a guy that slides out of the first round. It yeah. can be maybe it's a guy that you that you know is 14, 15, 16 on mocks, and you think he goes twenty five. Like anybody, anybody you think slides, you can go with. Um, I would say, to me, see, I like Casey Wallace. I'm kind of going through some of these guys right now. Yeah, yeah. Keontae so, George is the one. Keontae George is the okay. one that I think most people are like differ on you know because he, he's he's kind of got a little bit of like like a brad beal to his game a little bit he's not an elite athlete good size kind of a combo-ish guard more of a two but but he can play with the ball in his hands some he's fallen off on a lot of mock drafts i still think he's got a super high upside as an offensive player he was just atrocious defensively last year at baylor as a freshman Another guy be worth Jet Howard was atrocious defensively at Michigan, but he's got length and he can shoot the ball, so he'll probably be okay. Um, yeah, I, I think Keontae George is one to watch. Like he's just he's really intrigued. Kobe Bufkin, another one that shot up that really didn't yep. do anything first half of, of last year at Michigan and then came on yep. late, but he looks like a pro. I mean, he's got pro <laughs> measurables and the way he plays. So uh, this is an intriguing draft. I mean, it really is like it, it's more interesting in a lot of ways because the unknowns with a lot of these kids, whether it's they were in the G League, whether it's the Thompson Twins or Leonard Miller, who didn't play in college, whether it's Keontae George and Nick Smith, Derek Lively, a lot of, like we said, highly recruited kids coming out of high, highly rated that really didn't play up to what we thought they would in college. So, I, yeah, I mean, Taylor Hendricks, who kind of slid mm -hmm. under the radar. There's a lot of intriguing Buffkin, a lot of intriguing guys in this draft, and, and probably a lot of uncertainty. All right. He's Jeff Goodman from Stadium. This is the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. As always, you said it. It's an annual tradition now, Jeff. Thanks for joining us here. You got it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.